Let me read the scripture today. It comes from Luke chapter 5. We've been going through this uh, uh, gospel, uh, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rich, for reading that. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, awesome. Well, uh, like Rich said, we're going through um, our sermon series in um, the Gospel of Luke. Every week we come up here, it's a privilege just to be able to preach from the Word of God. And so thank you guys for joining us this morning. So we've been looking at uh, Luke in the first four chapters. We see that um, the people of Israel in Jesus' day, they were expecting a savior and a king. More specifically, they're expecting a political savior to restore to them the nation of Israel back to power and physical prosperity. They were expecting um, a typical king bringing in a typical kingdom to restore to them the glory that Rome stole from them. But what we see, right, when Jesus comes onto the scene, he says, yes, I am the king, I am the savior, but I come to bring a different kingdom. I come to bring a spiritual salvation into a heavenly kingdom that will last for all eternity. He says, I come first to bring a salvation for your heart and your souls. Then in chapter 5, which we are in today, in the next few chapters after, Luke unpacks what this spiritual salvation is going to look like. And so for our sermon today, I have three points, as usual. Um, We have a radical love, a radical response, excuse me, and the physician that heals. So our first point, a radical love. So Jesus, he's traveling around the region of Galilee doing ministry. Ministry simply means service. So he's serving people, he's healing people, he's proclaiming a coming salvation. And after he heals the paralytic, like Rich preached about last Sunday, he comes across a Jewish man named Levi. And Levi, he was a tax collector. He was sitting at his tax booth along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And back then, um, the people, they didn't have a centralized tax system. And so um, they couldn't report and, and, and pay the, go- um, the government in a proper way. And so what the Roman government did was they would place these tax collectors Um, along commercial areas and trade routes. And so here's Levi. He's likely collecting taxes from fishermen nearby, people that were traveling uh, back and forth throughout the trade route in that area. And back during those times, you have to understand that tax collectors were hated. To be a tax collector was synonymous with being a sinner. They were known to be extortionists. The tax collectors, they were known not just to impose these heavy taxes that the Roman government um, levied on the Jewish people, but they would take a percentage for themselves. Shady, right? The tax collectors, they were some of the wealthiest people in society, and because of the Roman military, the backing of them, they were untouchable, right? Nobody messed with them. 
And so they live lavishly in comfort. And so here's Levi, this Jewish man working for the enemy of the Roman government, and he is getting rich, stealing from his own people. So this is why they were hated, right? They were greedy, they were corrupt, they were seen as traitors to their own people. But how did Levi get to this point? And did he want to be hated? I don't believe that anybody goes into any profession wanting to be hated. But for Levi, his desire for wealth superseded anything else in life. Right? Money was his God. He loved it. He served it. He built his life around getting wealth, even at the cost of becoming a hated villain. Right? His heart was entangled in his sin of greed, the greed of sin. The sin of greed. I believe that he knew that uh, what he was doing was wrong, right? I knew we, he had to have been feeling a sense of shame for who he was and what he was doing to his people, right? He knew, there's no doubt he knew that he was a sinner. Everybody hated him. But Jesus comes, he sees him, he points out to him, and he says, follow me. Levi immediately drops everything to follow Jesus. And we'll look more closely at Levi's reaction in our second point, but let's see what happens next. So right after Levi, he gets up to follow Jesus. He throws Jesus a big party. He invites all his tax collector friends. The religious leaders, they, they see this. They see Jesus at this party with these tax collectors, and they are disgusted. Right? They're appalled. Verse 30 says this, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, he's hanging out at this party, eating with all these tax collectors. And eating conveyed friendship, fellowship. And in Matthew's gospel, we see that tax collectors, they were often associated with prostitutes, right? And so more than just the corruption of money, they live self-indulgent, selfish, and broken lives. And here's Jesus. He's hanging out with known sinners. He's breaking bread with them. He's fellowshipping with them. The Pharisees, they're disgusted because they believed that to associate with sinners would make one unclean. It would defile you, right? To this group of religious people that came up with this idea that there's a salvation by segregation. They believed that the religious should stay away from the irreligious, otherwise they're going to be corrupted themselves. But while the Pharisees saw these sinners as people to stay away from, Jesus sees them and he runs to them with compassion and love. He befriends them. He eats with them. He fellowships with them. He cares for them. You see, Risen, what Jesus is doing here is, it's really, really profound because he's breaking this old tradition, this old belief that there's a separation of an us versus them. Uh, religious versus an irreligious, a clean versus a dirty. Jesus is showing us that apart from himself, there are no distinctions between these groups. All are broken sinners in need of his grace. Jesus is showing that he's bringing this new kingdom with his radical love and forgiveness that is available for everybody. I grew up in a Christian family going to church Uh, But as I got into high school and college, I kind of uh, fell out a little bit. And so I was in and out of church. And during this time, I felt very much like an outsider. And, you know, since I felt back, any time would come visit, like, I don't know, once a month or something, I would feel really weird. It's like, oh, man, I feel like an outsider amongst these groups of Christians. 
But what drew me back towards God and his people was the love of Jesus shown to me by my family, especially my brother and my wife, Lauren. In the worst of times, and they loved me and they cared for me even when I felt unlovable, even when I felt like an outsider of the church. They were patient with me, even when I was angry and cynical at God and the church. They accepted me even when I felt like other churchgoers looked down on me. It was their love that eventually broke my heart to see Jesus more clearly, right? to understand that Jesus' love and his grace is for everybody. Religious people, churchgoers, outsiders, it is for everybody. We are all sinners. Even pastors are not any better than the ancient tax collector when it comes to needing the love and the forgiveness of Jesus that he brings to us in his kingdom. We all need this radical love and forgiveness to break into our lives, to change our hearts. A.W. Tozer, he says this, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one that loves you most. G.K. Chesterton says this, to love means loving the unlovable. To forgive means pardoning the unpardonable. This is the love and forgiveness that Jesus gives the tax collector. This is the love and forgiveness that Jesus gives to us, right? All of us, from the most pious, devout Christian to the one that feels like an outsider, to the cheat, to the racist, to the mass murderer. Do you see why we always sing about Jesus' love for us? It's because he runs to us when others despise us. He loves us when we feel unlovable. He forgives us when we feel like our sins are unpardonable. This is the type of radical love that Jesus shows us is a part of his kingdom. And this is the kingdom that he brings to us here on earth. And man, when this kingdom of radical love and forgiveness breaks into our lives and into our hearts, when we feel the weight of that, man, it's going to wreck our lives. It will move us to leave behind our old selfish kingdoms and follow Jesus in his new kingdom. Our second point is a radical response. After Jesus, he came to Levi. He called him to follow. And Levi must have been so moved and convicted because right then and there, he gets up. He follows Jesus. He's so excited to be a follower in this new kingdom. Verse 27 says this. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed him. This leaving everything in verse 28, it indicates a heart change of repentance. It's Levi putting away his old life behind as a tax collector and now following Jesus in his kingdom. Levi's changed heart is now reorienting and reprioritizing his entire life to follow Jesus. Many of you know this feeling um, when you first have a crush on somebody, you catch a lot of feels, you start dating, and um, you reorient your life around that one person. You have your eye on the prize of being with that person for as long as possible, going on dates, being in love, um, sending this person texts and and calls. I was going to say email, but that's kind of (laughs) weird. You're willing to shift around your entire life schedule and plans around this one person because that's how important they are to you. 
It's not that Levi had a crush on Jesus, but he saw that the beauty and the glory of Jesus, his king and his savior, was worth everything. Right? He saw that this kingdom that he was now a part of, it was everything. He was ready to completely reorient his entire life to follow Jesus. Similarly, we see this type of love um, for Jesus from the Apostle Paul. Paul, he was a Jewish extremist. He hated Christians. He hunted them down. He put them in jail. He killed them. He hated Jesus and his people until Jesus showed up in his life. He showed him his radical love and forgiveness, and it wrecked Paul's life in the best of ways. And after that, Paul couldn't have enough. Right? All he was thinking about, he would do anything to have more of Jesus. He says this in Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul is saying here that all of life is about following and living for Jesus in his kingdom. He goes further to say that even if you were to physically die, that is gain because you get to be in the presence of Jesus. Man, that is the power of a moved and changed heart that has been changed right, by the radical love of Jesus. Have you guys experienced this love of Jesus like Levi or Paul has? And don't get me wrong, wait, everyone has sort of different experiences of coming to faith. Not everybody has this watershed moment where your life is completely flipped upside down in an instant, but has this happened to you to some degree? Have you been moved so much by the radical love of Jesus that you're able to say you can leave behind your old kingdom to follow Jesus in his? Pastor and author David Platt, he says this, he said this in an interview once. My prayer is that people will see that following Jesus costs you every, everything you are and everything you have. And my prayer is that people will see that Jesus is worth it. You see, Risen, Christianity is about a heart change that is willing to let go of your old life, your old kingdoms, to follow Jesus in your new life in his kingdom. And so what does a changed heart look like? How does it act? Well, remember after Levi, he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. He throws Jesus a big feast, a great feast, it says, right, the text. And he invites all of his tax collector friends to this party. Jesus is right there conversing with people, eating with people. Verse 29 says this, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors, and others reclining at table with them. This right here is a beautiful picture of a follower of Jesus celebrating Jesus and sharing Jesus with others. Theologian R. Kent Hughes, he says this, the desire to honor God is the natural reflex of the soul that has received the divine touch. Jesus was everything to Levi. You know, when we get excited about something, we can't stop talking about it. We, we can't wait till we post on social media. We talk about the next time we're going to do it again, whether it's eating at a restaurant or going to an event or um, a trip. We can't wait. Right? There's an intrinsic desire to want to celebrate and share something amazing that you found that has moved your heart. We see an example of this throughout the New Testament. As Jesus is prophesying, he's healing people. People's natural reaction is to be, wow, 
this Jesus is amazing. And so they go and actively tell people about this person of Jesus. And for us today, when Jesus breaks into our lives, when we are moved, we respond by celebrating and sharing this treasure of Jesus with others. And we begin to invite people over to our homes and in our lives. So prayerfully, hopefully, they get to know and love Jesus as well. And we know that it's not easy, right? Sharing your faith is not easy. But as we learn to grow in boldness, as we learn to share the gospel boldly, we begin to show them the love of Jesus through our lives and our actions. And risen through much prayer, right? hopefully this celebrating and sharing of Jesus will bring all sorts of people into our community, people from all walks of life. Right? How amazing would it be to be in this community that is full of diverse people united together in the love of Jesus? This brings us to our last point, the physician that heals. Let me read for us again verses 30 and 32. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, this is interesting because when Jesus refers to those that are righteous, he's referring to the Pharisees who really are not righteous at all, but they think they're righteous. Their hearts are really full of hypocrisy and arrogance and pride. Actually, Jesus often puts the Pharisees on blast. In Matthew 23, he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The Pharisees who considered themselves religious, clean, and above sinners, they were just as spiritually lost as the tax collectors that they looked down upon. And so what is Jesus trying to get at here? He's trying to show us that he comes for those that know that they are spiritually sick and in need of a physician. Jesus is showing us that his kingdom is not a place for the proud or those that think they are strong enough or good enough to be in the kingdom, but he says his kingdom is for the weak, the, the humble, the meek, those that understand and are desperate for the great radical love and forgiveness that Jesus offers them. The Pharisees' hearts, they were proud and unwilling to receive Jesus. But Levi's heart was humbled and repentant when Jesus comes to him. And Levi received Jesus joyfully. Right? Whether some of us relate more with the wayward, irreligious tax collector, or whether some of us relate more to the prideful religious Pharisees, we must ask ourselves, do we know that we are sinners in need of a Savior? Do we know that we are spiritually sick in need of Jesus, who is the physician and healer of our souls? Or do we think that we are good without Jesus. I'm not sure if you're like me, but I don't like going to the doctor. I don't like taking medication because I don't like to be told what's wrong with me. <laughs> Sometimes ignorance feels like bliss. But even if I don't like going to see the doctor, I don't like getting checked, 
it doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with my health. Even if I don't like taking med medication, it doesn't mean that I don't need it. Right? The doctor is there to assess our health, to inform us of what's wrong with our bodies, and he will prescribe medication, treatment, or surgery that is going to heal us. Right? Ignoring our sickness is not going to do anything. It doesn't heal us. Similarly, thinking that we are spiritually healthy when we are not and ignoring our sickness, that doesn't heal us. And that sounds like common sense. But the thing is, we are so blinded to our own sins. Right? We are so blinded to our own spiritual state. Reason Jesus knows that apart from his moving our hearts and him showing us and opening our eyes, we won't really see our need to be healed from our spiritual sickness. Right? This is why Jesus comes to us. This is why he shows us our spiritual sickness. And more than that, he brings us healing. David Platt says, Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ, but with Christ's pursuit of us. Christianity does not start with an invitation we offer to Jesus, but with an invitation Jesus offers to us. Church, this is the gospel. This is why it's so amazing. This is why we preach it every, every week, because the gospel tells us that Jesus comes to us. The gospel tells us that it's not up to us to humble our hearts to see Jesus, to know our need for a Savior. The gospel says we can't see ourselves apart from Jesus. The tax collectors could not see themselves. The Pharisees could not see themselves. This is why Jesus comes to us. And he comes to you this morning with his soul piercing, but life-giving words from Scripture. Jesus comes to you just like he came to Levi to heal him. And do you know who Levi ended up being? He was Matthew, the same Matthew that wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Our Jesus our great spiritual physician and healer breaks into our lives to heal us, to make us a new people full of joy and worship in him. But the way he heals us is ultimately by giving his life for ours. And he does this by taking our spiritual sickness of sin upon himself, bringing it to the cross, dying for us. Right? He sheds his blood for us to heal us to cleanse us, to wash us. He replaces our diseased and dying heart to give us his heart so that we would gain his life. And so now instead of, instead of spiritual death, we have this newfound life in Christ that has no ending. Risen Jesus, the great physician, sees you. He comes to you. He calls to you. He says, follow me. Listen to his call to follow him into his kingdom where you'll find healing for, his, for your soul. Receive his radical love and forgiveness so that your heart might be healed, humbled, and filled with worship and joy for Christ. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. This gospel is amazing. How could you love us, broken sinners, blind, 
and yet you come to us. You give us your love. You open up our eyes and our hearts to see you, to feel you, to know you, so that we can catch a glimpse of the kingdom before us. Forgive us for not being able to see. Forgive us for forgetting. Forgive us for running back to our kingdoms of self. We pray, Lord, that the gospel would pierce our hearts and our souls, that we would respond radically, just like Levi, just like the Apostle Paul. Give us hearts that know you and feel you, even when we feel so spiritually dry, so dark. Only you can show us who you are. And so we ask, Father, we beg, we cry out that you would show up in our lives. Be with everybody here, my fellow brothers and sisters, those that will come, those that are missing. God, we need you. Do a great work here in Hayward and beyond. Move us with this gospel. Help us to understand the radical power that you bring. God, we need you. Thank you for Christ who makes us all new, who brings us into this new kingdom. Amen.